welcome to another episode of the Richmond Bigfooty Tiger Cast. I'm your host, Michaels, and with me tonight we have a, a very special guest who's not from the Richmond board, so this is our first time having an opposition supporter over. Uh, but first we'll introduce Rodney Dangerfield, coming back for his second appearance on the show, so welcome back, Rodney. How are you, Michaels? And from the Hawthorne board, we have Frankston Rover, who's been kind enough to join us tonight, so welcome to you, Frankston Rover. G'day, boys. I feel naked and alone. <laughs> That's how, just how we like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we usually ask each person who comes onto the show how they became a Richmond supporter, but we know Rodney's story, um, and given that the Hawthorne people will hopefully listen to the show, we'll ask you, Frankston Rover, how did you become a Hawthorne supporter all those years ago? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I just had my 40th birthday, so uh, my my parents were 10-pound um, were poms, so uh, they didn't really have... Uh, a huge influence on me because uh, they weren't real sort of footy people. But uh, I had a, an uncle, uh, lucky for me, was a massive Hawthorne supporter and uh, took me along to a, to a lot of games. And uh, I went to uh, the 83 grand final as a Hawthorne supporter and uh, got myself a nice big flag, which I've still got. It's not quite as big as what I remember it was, was when I was a kid, but I've still got that. So, um, yeah, I'd like to thank my Uncle Pat because uh, without him, I probably would have been barracking for a shit club likes and killed or something i don't know yeah, or, so, or north melbourne or someone like or that. north melbourne that's right no i've been very lucky so uh say so, uh yeah grew up in frankston but uh yeah my uncle pat got me onto the hawks thank christ and i've been very lucky over the last sort of yeah 35 40 years extremely lucky i'm sure there's a lot of yeah, jealous yeah. tiger supporters out there who haven't shared the same kind of success that you have <laughs> Uh, we'll start off, wow. uh, this bit might bore you a little bit, Frankston Rover, because it's the, just the autopsy votes from our autopsy thread for the play of the year. So after round 19, the Gold Coast game, uh, the votes that we had come in for that one were Dusty got the five, Rioli got four, Nankervis got three, Cochin got two, and Brennan Ellis got one. So that makes the leaderboard. In fifth place, we have Lambert and Rewalt on 15 votes. In fourth place, Nankervis on 17 votes. In third place, Alex Rance on 38 votes. In second place, Trent Cochran on 40 votes. And in first place, Dusty Martin with 63 votes. So I don't think he can be caught now. Uh, Rodney, do you reckon those votes are, are pretty accurate? Uh, yeah, I thought they were pretty good. Uh, I thought um, Dusty and... Dan Rioli were the, the the two standouts, so whatever happened after that was, you know, you could pick, but they were first and second for mine. Yeah, it was probably one of our better performances in terms of consistency over four quarters, which was nice, but yeah, obviously it was a bit alarming not having a, a big forward for the whole game, but Rioli definitely did step up and, and was very deserved of the four votes. We'll, uh, we'll push on to the roast and toast. Uh, Rodney, you have got the roast this week, so what have you got for us? Well, I've chopped and changed a little bit because, uh, as I told you boys before, I was looking to roast a fair bit to do with the uh, MRP and the appeals process, but we're going to talk about that later. So I'll give those uh, there's two grubs, Carlton, for their medical report against Danger. That was rubbish, the way they handed up. And the other one is Port Adelaide supporters. How can you not? I mean, what wankers? Seriously. Like, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. A minute to go walking out of the ground, carrying their tarps. And, uh, <laughs> and what happens? Bang, bang. And they'll all be typing away on big footy and on social. Oh, ports, there's some ports out there. I don't even watch the games. Like, give us a spell. Like, get rid of them. In, 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 ten, in 10 years' time, there'll have been 420,000 people at that game. 
Yeah, exactly right. That's what I was saying the other day too. That's exactly what they'll say. There was about three. I was there. I was there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah until the 20-minute mark. I was there. <laughs> no, so, it, yeah, just a big race for them, guys. It definitely doesn't pay to leave games early because you really just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I was getting score updates, and they were they did look gone for all money. Um, but, yeah, you, yep. you always stick it out to the end, win, lose, or draw. Well, not at never, that. Never leave a game. I've left a, I left a game at the 12-minute mark of the first quarter once, <laughs> and we ended up losing by 160, oh, whatever, when Geelong smashed us that night. But yeah. We, we just weren't trying, so I said, ah, oh, bugger at this. But, yeah, you're not going to leave with a minute to go. What's the point? No, that's right. And, Franks and Rover, you've got the toast this week, so what have you got for us? I thought I'd go with the Hawthorne players, considering who you, we're obviously playing each other this week. So I've gone with James Sicily. I thought... Um, you know, he's the sort of guy, uh, he's relatively young, uh, and I, I like him because other people don't like him. He's got that bit of mongrel about him. And uh, I think um, last week when he uh, had that crack at uh, Taylor Jaray when he got falconed and then uh, showed a bit of passion, I, I don't I don't mind that. Um, and then on, uh, on the weekend against Sydney, he gave away a, a pretty disappointing 50-metre penalty and, and gave Franklin a goal, which... It's always dangerous getting uh, Franklin into the game. Um, we cut our lead down eight points. Um, but then from then on, pretty much, he really sort of stepped up. Um, he's gone He's gone back this year. Um, he was a forward. He's gone back. Uh, and on, on the weekend, he had 26 disposals, uh, took 14 marks, nine intercepts, and he gained the most metres in the game, 557 metres, and had four inside 50. So, um, yeah, he's competitive, and he I probably... Like to say the word unsociable, which is typically Hawthorne. And um, from a t- t- from a tough early start of the season, um, I think he's given some of us uh, Hawthorne supporters um, a bit of a glimpse into the future at the next generation. And I suppose uh, if he can channel that aggression, um, we've got a potential leader there for the future. And I hope uh, for the last four rounds he can build on what he did on the weekend and and build over build up over the summer and come back bigger and better again next year. Yeah, I really like him. I mean, I saw him. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago when he probably started out as a forward because you had all your back and obviously playing. Um, yeah. He's just got he's such um, a strong mark overhead and he just presents really well, crashes packs, and he does have that bit of swagger uh, and, and knows where the goals are. So I think he's definitely a player to watch. And I know you have to play him down back at the moment because of your injuries, but I think for yeah. sure he, he could be the way for your future uh, down forward. Is that where you would prefer him to play or do you think he should stay down I back? think so. I, th- I think he's a natural forward, but I-, I think Clarkson also likes to have that flexibility, uh, a bit like what he's done with Gunson this year of sending him back and uh, Duray's gone forward yeah. um, and-, and just to mix it up a bit, I suppose, so that on any given day, if, if something's not working, um, you can swing blokes around and they're not going to be all at sea. Um, so I-, I think he's done the right thing there and, and given taken the pressure off him a bit because he-, he did say over the weekend after the Sydney game that... Um, he feels a lot less pressure down back because he, he's not the one that, that has to lead to the ball. He gets taken to the ball by the forwards and he can be a bit more, I suppose, adventurous without having that pressure of being a forward on him. Um, so, yeah, I think he's I think he's learned a bit this year and I think next year, if he can continue to grow, uh, I hope he does because uh, he'll be a good player for us. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't have played any more than 50 games, would he? No, nah, he hasn't. 
No. And this is probably the other benefit for you as well, is getting those games into him. Because obviously when you had your forward line or your team fully loaded, it was probably a little bit harder for him to break in and stay there consistently. So now that he is getting that opportunity, albeit down back, he's just gaining so much experience and it's really showing out in the field. He's um, he's having a pretty good season, I reckon. I, th- I think the injuries to or, and the and the drop in form of guys like uh, Gibson and, and the injury to Birchall and those sort of guys and Frawley being out, um, I think it's given him given him an opportunity, and uh, and so far he's taken it. So um, yeah. yeah, certainly can't complain. And the other benefit as well from playing down back is he's learning off one of the masters in Luke Hodge. Um, I mean, we obviously saw the footage. I think when you played Adelaide when they had him mic'd up, his coaching out in the field was just exceptional. So to have that kind of direction from someone like Hodgie, he'll be learning a, an absolute truckload. Yeah, he's played forty games by the way. Just had a bit of a look. Okay, forty yeah. games. So he's still very very young. He was my little next door neighbour. I followed him right from the start. He used to live next door to me when he was a little kid. So oh, there uh, you go. Yeah, I didn't actually realise it was him until my, my sister's mad all the time. Yeah, you know, little Jimmy that used to live next door, little block, and that, that's who it was, little bugger. So there did, you go. Did you have the swagger back then as well? It was, yeah, he was a cocky little bugger. He used to get out and <laughs> kick the footy and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he was. So um, I, like I moved away from him. He, that was still there when I moved out. He, he was still living with next to my parents when he was a little kid. But, um, yeah, I do remember him, though. Sounds like your sister's an intelligent girl. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened to her. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we'll move on to the review of both of our games from the from last week. So we'll start with the Richmond-Gold Coast game. So Richmond 14-14-98 defeated Gold Coast 10-5-65, winning by 33 points. Now, we obviously had a bit of a new-looking forward line without Jack Rewalt with his eye injury. Uh, the Richmond board was uh, probably split in how we all thought that was going to go down uh, with having all the smalls and potentially Nankervis and Soldo uh, playing down there. But I actually thought it, it made it a little bit more unpredictable. I felt that when we were taking the ball inside 50, we tend to lower our eyes a lot more, which is something we haven't traditionally done in the past few weeks, which can cost us goals. So it was actually good to see the boys dropping their eyes and hitting their targets. But once again, it was inaccurate kicking that probably hurt us a little bit. Uh, We kept them in the game, but I thought it was a pretty okay four-quarter performance. What did you make of it, Rodney? Well, admittedly, I, ha- I haven't yet seen the whole game because I was I was out um, Saturday night, so I've just watched bits and pieces. But yeah, I, I did notice. I don't know. It's we seem to um, pick certain oppositions and decide that we're going to lower our eyes, decide that we're going to play differently, and we've done it against North uh, pretty successfully, I thought, and we've done it the other night from what I've seen. And there, there are other games where we fall into the habit of like the Secure game, which was due to pressure, but. I don't know, we just seem to pick certain teams. I think this week's going to be pretty interesting because of the way Hawthorne set up. I reckon we might go that way again. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I was pretty pretty happy to see him go, go down that path because that's just the way we have to play, I think. We can't be... There's just no one's head to kick it on. I just don't like it when we play like that. The, the only other issue I, I kind of had watching the game was that we... We coughed up a bit of an early lead. We had a bit of a slow start again, so they jumped out the blocks and snagged a few early goals under very little pressure. And I thought, oh, God, here we go. It's, it's going to be one of those games that we should win, but they're going to lose. But it was good to see the guys turn it around. Um, did you happen to watch the game, Frankston? Uh, I, I did see parts of the game. I thought you. I thought the second quarter was uh, was excellent from you, Blakes. Um, you know, uh, 
dominated disposals, um, contested possessions, uh, clearances. So, you know, you had your four-goal lead at half-time, I think. So, yeah, um, that's, that second quarter, that's that's the thing with Richmond. When, when they're on, geez, there's not many teams that can go with them. But it's just that, I don't know, I think Rodney touched on it before. I don't know whether it's a mental thing or, or what, but it definitely was a banana skin game for you blokes. Um, it was definitely a danger game. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that, as I say, you had that slow start, and I think in the past, if you probably go back uh, three or four years, uh, you had that slow start like that, your head's dropping all of a sudden, you know, you instead of being a couple of goals down, you're five goals down and the game's gone sort of thing. But I think this year, um, to see that fight back in that second quarter was good. Yeah, they really have that belief that they're not entirely out of a game no matter the scoreline. So they, they kept composed and pretty much from midway of the second quarter onwards, I kind of felt like we had control of the game. There wasn't really any another time where I thought, oh, they're going to come back um, despite us not kicking accurate. So it was good to put them away by 33 points. Um, and I just want to give a bit of a roast to the person operating the scoreboard at Metricon Stadium. Absolutely disgraceful performance. Couldn't even get their own players' names right who kicked goals, let alone ours. Um, so, yeah, someone should be sacked for that. <laughs> uh, Jace, what about, uh, what about young Jason Canstanger? Uh, what was he doing? Yeah. Yeah, he, um, he, had the, he had that epic brain fade close to goal. Like, it, there's about, about 2,000 of us in our little bay that we were sitting in, and we all couldn't believe what he was doing. It's like, it just kicked the goal. You're 15 metres there. You don't need to do anything fancy. But uh, like Ronnie just said, he tends to have one of those every week. But he's also good for a couple of goals and does get himself in the right spots. So if you can... Well, try... I was going to say, yeah, that, that, that cock-up that he did... Um... I think he was just trying to get other people involved in the game, which is which is great to see from a young player. But as you say, just kicked the damn goal. Yeah. But that he came back and I think he kicked one in the I think it was the third quarter where he was it was like a inside out banana from the sort of forty meters out. It was a bloody ripper. Yeah, it's it's always the way, isn't it? You miss the ones that are so simple, and he just pulled that from out of his ass. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that was forty five meters on the boundary line, and just yep, yeah, no worries, fellas. I'll check side that one through. So the only thing that worries me with him is he's going to do something. He'll have one of those brain fades when it's a really clutch moment. And we, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know he's only young and very inexperienced. So hopefully that'll just grow out of him as time goes on. But no, other than that, he played a, a pretty good game. And I thought Corey Ellis had a good game as well. I know he doesn't get, you know, 25, 30 touches, but he's very clean when he picks up the ball and, I know people were cracking the sads in the in the game day thread about the disposal and the fumbling and all that, but we walked across the ground after the game and it was wet, like really, really wet. So yeah, it's yeah. wet up there. Yeah, it's it'd probably be deceiving to see on TV, but yeah, it sort of made me appreciate his clean half volley pickups and quick handballs a lot more um, during the game. So yeah, I thought he had a good one too. I thought yeah, I thought Ellis was good. 20, 27 disposals and three goal assists. That's pretty good. And he took that courageous mark as well, going across the pack. So, which was good to see him. Good to see him do that with uh, no care for his own safety. So he's obviously gaining some confidence there. And then on Friday night, we had the Hawthorne versus Sydney game, uh, which we watched. So that was Hawthorne ten twelve seventy two defeated Sydney nine twelve sixty six. So that was a, a six point thriller at the G. Um, I must admit, Frankston Rover, I thought after watching the first 10 minutes, I thought you were in a lot of trouble. Sydney just seemed to have it over you, but they just couldn't score. But then, yeah, kind of from the end of the second, first quarter onwards, you guys just really kicked into gear and took off. Yeah, very happy with how we played. 
I think it was one of those games where, um, yeah, we could have been blown away early, but we grounded out. And um, as I say, a couple of the couple of the older blokes, I thought um, Ben McAvoy um, really probably probably the best game I've seen him play for a long time. Uh, he he just was taking great marks. I think he had about eight marks. Um, Tom Mitchell after a slow start got going, and uh, Daniel Howe kept uh, Josh Kennedy very quiet, which was which was a win. So, no, very happy with how he played and. And how he hung on in that last quarter as well. Uh, you know, you always sort of expect Sydney to go bang bang and and uh, potentially, with, like we say, with Buddy Franklin running through there, uh, potentially uh, take the game away from us. But six goal, a uh, six point win was very, very good. Oh, it was, and I think you're the only team to beat them what twice in the last ten weeks or something. So that's a, that's a huge scalp when you look at how good Sydney have been travelling the last few weeks. And it's just credit to you guys and your young team that you've really got it together in the last month and a half. Now the other player I thought yeah. was good for you guys, and I would love to have him at Richmond is um, Burgoyne. He just kicks some absolute clutch goals. Anytime you know there's a bit of momentum going the other way, he always pops up and just kicks that nice dead in goal for you. He, he's a freak. Yeah, look, uh, uh, I've got a note here, like our last six games, so since the bye, we've beaten Sydney, beaten Fremantle, we lost to Geelong by three points, we drew with the Giants, we've beaten Collingwood, and we've beaten Adelaide and Adelaide. So our last sort of six weeks has been very, very good. Um, and you're right about Burgoyne, I mean, uh, considering when we got him, uh, his knees were shot and he you know, he was he was over the hill and, uh, and, and everything else. Um, to him, for him still to be playing now and playing the footy that he's playing, there was a goal there on Friday night where he, he got the ball on half back and then ran down and then finished with the goal. Um, he, he's just an unbelievable player. Uh, I think he'll play on next year. I think he's still very, very good. And you've only got to look at whenever we're, we're needing a, cl- a clearance, uh, he's always in the middle and he's always the one that gets the clearance. Yeah, he's the go-to man. And it's just his, his speed away from the stoppages as well. Like, even though he's in his 30s, he's still got that quick acceleration, which puts that separation between him and defenders so he can get those shots on goal. He's, um, yeah, he's, yeah. he's just unbelievable. That doesn't look like raw pace either. He never looks like he's... He never looks quick, but he is. Yeah, you don't, just, yeah. You don't, you don't seem like gritty's teeth and really dig in. He just glides away. I reckon he's one yep. of the most underrated players that's ever played. And it's, it sounds ridiculous to say that, but I reckon he's, people forget how good he was at Port too. Like, he's been an absolute superstar, that bloke, for a long time. Yep. He has. He'll, he'll, yep. he'll easily go down as one of your best trades. Oh, I mean, yeah, as I say, uh, when we got him, it's a bit like O'Meara. I, I, everyone has a bit of a laugh about O'Meara, but that was the same situation when, it was when we got Burgoyne was that his knees were shot um, yeah, and yeah. You, you'd get 18 months out of him. Unreal. What's it been about nine years? Uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be close to that. Yeah, he's he's one of the only couple of blokes in the history of the competition to play 150 plus games for two clubs. Uh, yeah, um, Bernie Quinlan did it, and um, yeah. and I, I think Marcus Ashcroft, but I think he played 150 for the Bears and then 150 for the Lions, so that doesn't really count. But yeah, he's he's just been phenomenal, and I say uh, one of those blokes that just does his job every week and doesn't get the plaudits of, of some of the other big-name players in the competition. But I tell you now, if you're picking a team um, at Hawthorne, he'd, he'd be like the Chris Mew. He'd be first picked every week, and he just goes on the on the team sheet, and you don't worry about him. Lock him in, and away you go. Yeah, you know exactly yeah. what you're going to get each and every week from him. He's a superstar. What about uh, Billy Hartung? I, I know the games that I've gone to to watch the Hawthorne games, there's been a lot of mixed feelings about him amongst the crowd. Uh, how have you yep. found his season? 
Oh, look, I, I think it's it's one of those things. If the guy the guy can run, uh, no doubt about it, and uh, it's uh, it's a shame that his disposal lets him down because you know he, he's never going to be an in and under type. He's he's definitely an outside player, but if he could if he could kick, uh, he'd be in the side every week, no doubt about it. But he's just got to work on that disposal because. He can find space and he can and he can run away. And if I ever hear anyone ever say about beat test again with him, I want to bloody tear <laughs> me area because they just meant to. Oh, they talk about it all day. He's had a seventeen point seven beat test. Who gives a shit? He yeah. can't kick the football, but, you know. Um, so, look, I I hope they stick with him because you know he can definitely uh, find space. Uh, it's a bit like Isaac Smith. I mean, you know, if he's got the ball in his hand and he can run away, but but geez, Isaac's. It's funny because Isaac's missed a couple of, uh, of gettable goals, yeah, but to keep that. But he can kick a ball, whereas uh, Billy's never going to be. A, he's never going to get it himself. He needs someone else to get it for him and get it out to him. But uh, if you can't kick the ball to save yourself, um, you know you're going to struggle. But look, yeah, you, you know, you look at our our, our, our backmen that have stood up this year. Um, Brand's been great for us down back. He's done some big jobs against against the key forwards, considering we've lost. Uh, Frawley and um, and Gibson and Stratton as and well. and Stratton yeah and Gunston's gone back he's been good since he's gone back um, Jure's gone forward and he's he's played well uh, and Mitchell's I mean Mitchell's had a phenomenal season I don't know where we'd be without without him I mean he gets a lot of the ball and his uh, efficiencies aren't great at times but you know if we've got it the opposition haven't got it so it's got to be a win absolutely i'm sure we'll touch on that a bit more later as well with the with the talking about the preview for the game this week but he's been a very good pickup as well well i move on to our both our vfl games so richmond played north ballarats and we won 14 19 103 defeated north ballarat 8 13 61 so we got up by 42 points which has now put us third on the ladder and Hawthorne, or Box Hill, sorry, you guys played Sandringham and won by 47 points. So it puts you yep. two points clear on top. Um, so hopefully both those teams will be playing each other come finals times. I think a note in the goal kick is there was a T Vickery who stood up and kicked three. Yes, yes, I, I noticed that. Um, he had 50, to, 50 hit-outs apparently too. Wow. So um, he's, had, he's had a big game. Um, so uh, yeah, we had Kieran Lovell... He's made his first appearance for the year after shoulder surgery. He had 21 touches. Um, uh, Oliver Hanrahan, he's another of our youngsters. He, he's uh, popped up a couple of times in in the resis. So hopefully next year he, he gets a go. Uh, Taya Mills had five, kicked five goals. Um, so he might be a chance this week with Hodge out. And, yeah, Tyrone Vickery, three goals and 50 hitouts playing first ruck. So maybe he's just making a surge. Maybe he's going to turn it on on uh, on Sunday. Oh, I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then for, the, for the Richmond game, our goal kickers, we had Lennon kick three, Stengel kick three, Bachelor short, Marrick Elton all kicked one each. And in our best, we had Jack Graham, Jacob Townsend, Jaden Short, Bachelor and Stengel. So I think we were all pretty pleased to see young Jack Graham uh, have a pretty good game. I think he had 33 disposals and 15 of them were contested. So I still think it's too early to put him in the team, but it's good to see him come back from injury um, and have a pretty good impact in the VFL team. Yeah, looks a good player. Yeah, it looks really good. 
All right, we'll push on to the topics to discuss. Uh, so we'll start off with the MRP, uh, a pretty contentious couple of issues that arose the last couple of well, last couple of days. We'll start off with the Luke Hodge one week suspension, which was appealed unsuccessfully. Uh, Franks and Ray, we'll get your thoughts first on on that. Ah, oh, look, what what can you say? You get uh, has his head taken off by Buddy Franklin, and then uh, gets done for a love tap. So it's. Uh, it's a load of shit, but, you know, that's the MRP. So I don't know why they don't just make it like Wheel of Fortune where you spin a big wheel and, you know, it's just pot luck, really. It's <laughs> it's just so confusing for the general footy fan. And I think uh, Rodney made a good point before. But they tick and flick now, and it's, it, you know, it's supposed to be transparent, but then you still get these anomalies where you just, you know, shake your head. If a bloke's missing a game of footy for that, fuck me dead. Pardon my French, but cross. Yeah, you know, I just can't. I just can't believe it. I can't believe someone's going to someone's going to miss a game of footy, whether whether it's Hodge or bloody whoever. You know, um, to miss a game of football for that it is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty average. Uh, I mean, it's part of the game. It's a physical game. It's a contact sport. Um, you know, it wasn't intent to hurt. He didn't hurt him. It was just a bit of a love tap and. Uh, yeah, you would hate to see. Well, you do. You hate to see any kind of player miss these kind of games uh, for something as very, very minor as that. I mean, it, for me, and we've spoken about it before on the show that it needs to be based on intent, and there was no intent from Hodge to hurt Papley or anything like that. It was just no. a, bit, a bit of physicality, a bit of argy bargy, and that should be it. Simple as that. I think. I think from my from my perspective too is you want to see people with a bit of uh, personality in the game and. The the players nowadays nowadays they they can't go out and relax because they they're always handed by people you know they, they can't they can't drink they can't let off any steam if they show an opinion or if they or if you look go back to someone like uh, James Sicily and and show a bit of personality or or Langers with his kiss it, people are up in arms about it and I think these people are still human beings they still need to be able to you know, vent and show a bit of emotion and get a bit passionate. And that's what you go to the footy to see. You know, in the old days of, you know, Brian Taylor and Mark Jackson and all those sort of blokes and um, Dermot Burton showing a bit of passion and pride and, you know, having a bit of a laugh and having fun with it, that's what footy's about. And, you know, if someone love taps one of our blokes, I, I wouldn't want to see him get rubbed out for it. I mean, if it's deliberate, dirty, punch from behind, behind play, the cameras will pick it up. And, and the bloke should go, but but that sort of stuff, you know, Jesus Christ! If if we if we keep going the way we're going, we might as well just put bibs on and call it netball. Yeah, I actually said the same thing today to a mate that you may as well yeah put tags in your pocket and you've just got to pull the tag out when you want to try and tackle someone. It's yeah, it's getting beyond <laughs> a joke. And Rodney, here in Richmond too, isn't it? Yeah, sorry, I'm just saying, but we've got two blokes in the same boat. Two mm-hmm. our two most important players, or two of our most important players. Yep, and. Uh, I, you know, I don't really care about the Brownlow. I, I sort of wish that uh, Martin and Cochin would get their little love tap out of the way because they're going to get they're going to get baited, harassed. It's going to be horrible for them the next few weeks because people know, you know, they're not silly. Players are going to tag them and they're going to go right over and wind him up, and they're skating on thin ice. And I'd just about rather them do it now before the finals because I can almost see it now. One of them is going to get their third strike in our first final. Hopefully we're still going after that. And they're going to miss a game. Well, maybe they should go to the, what the uh, FIFA do in the soccer in the World Cup and they give you a clean slate. 
uh, before the finals. I think Sturge wrote that on the on the board today, and I think that'd be a good idea because you know I can look at look at Hodge did nothing really, absolutely nothing. He's paid penance for what he's done beforehand in being penalised for bugger all. And I, I can, can, just can you? I think I said before. Can you imagine if if someone someone like say let's use Dustin Martin as an example does it in a prelim final and gets a week for that and misses yep. a grand final. I mean, you know. Easy <laughs> Very easily happen. And, then you and that's of, what I mean. And compare that to when Barry Hall hit a bloke in, a, in the prelim, played the grand final. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, yeah, that's well, you're playing the Brisbane Lions this week and you're playing on uh, that bloke that was Robinson. Oh, yeah. That was more than Martin. Up. What would, he would be at you all day, just belt in the... And you, you know, and he's got no strikes. What are you going to do? You can't defend yourself because as soon as you touch him, you're gone. Have a week. Yeah. And that's where you oh, look, you know, do you, but do you, do you run the risk of winding up Dustin Martin? Because I think Dustin Martin's one of those blokes, if you wind him up enough, I reckon he's almost going to turn one on and uh, he could win the game for you off his own boot. He I don't could. know if I'd be wanting Dusty up. Nah, well, that's right. Mean, all human, he's just gonna, he, you've only got a, you've got a certain point where you just can't take it anymore, and you react. And that's where, if you go, if you go back to the old days, what you were saying there with with Mitch Robinson, he wouldn't last five minutes because someone, someone like a, you know, a Teddy Whitten or a, um, you know, Carl Dietrich w- would turn around after five minutes. Tony Lockett, Tony Lockett would have picked him up and thrown him over the fence. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, but, but nowadays they get away with it because if a bloke. And 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 that's, this is what we're talking about. It's the playmakers that cop it, and the taggers get away with it. We're not going to the. You know, no one goes to the footy to watch a tagger. They go there to watch the, you know, good players. And as you say, if someone's harassing, 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 and someone finally turns around and goes radio bang, and they co- now, you know, you can't deck someone, but they you wouldn't last five do. minutes. No, you don't have to anymore. They have a look at Hodge. <laughs> that was nothing, and he's oh. having a he's having a rest. And it's as you say before, it's. He's, his best mates to on the 50th game too, so he'd be, he'd be dirty. Oh, especially when you look at what Franklin did to him, and, and Franklin got nothing. Yeah, yeah well, it's oh. funny because with that one, when I saw it, we all said straight away, yeah, he's going to be in trouble for that because um, he just got him straight in the face. And, you know, they always keep saying the head, you know, can't be touched and it's going to always be protected, this, that, and the other. But I don't, he didn't even get a fine, did he? It was nothing. No. Well, I, I, as a whole, I don't, I don't want to sound like a whinging supporter. I would love to see the differential between free kicks that Franklin got has got and and given away between the time he was at Hawthorne and the time he's been at Sydney. Some of the stuff he does at Sydney now, he could actually set follow an umpire and they wouldn't pay a free kick. If he only looked the other way when he <laughs> played for Hawthorne, oh, my God. But when he got rubbed out for cleaning up uh, Benny Cousins and, and Cousins was slight falling over when he, when he, when he bumped right. him. And now he does that to Hodge and no, no case to answer. How does that work? Yeah, wow. you know, they've definitely got their favourites, don't they? It starts to become more and more evident as the as you, what's going on. He was just lucky the other night. Like I, I regard Basher as unlucky the other week. I know people carried on and said, oh, he turned around and whacked him. And he got four weeks. Franklin was just lucky the other night that he didn't break Hodge's jaw because it was his intent yeah. was, like, he, his dead set had a whack at him. And he's yep. just been really lucky and the same... Like we said before, one second before Hodge's little love tap, Isaac Heaney, in play, mind you, swung his elbow up and he was just lucky he didn't take Isaac Smith's head off. Play on. Next thing you know, Hodge's just done this little 
almost you know, trying to stop a bloke basically and as a wide cut yeah you know, it does my head in the whole MRP thing at the moment now we'll push on to the Dangerfield one, which is another contentious issue. Uh, one week or two weeks down to one. What were your thoughts on that one, Frankston? Oh, look, uh, probably to be completely hypocritical, uh, he was stiff, but the, the rules are there and he's got someone... Uh, he, well, I think uh, Rodney summed it up well before. I think Carlton have um, sold him in the river a bit there with, uh, with Cruiser. But, you know... Um, what my concern now is I, I hope he doesn't uh, win the Brownlow, win in inverted commas, and uh, and overshadow uh, Tom Mitchell's win when he win, wins it. I'll be with you there. I've got a fair bit of money on Tom at good odds. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be happy with that. Maybe that's why I want Martin to get his interest in the Brownlow as well. Think but, uh, no, look, I, I think that, that, again, he's tackled a bloke, the ball spilled out, um, whether he was blindsided or not, you know, he, he's, you, you've got to be able to tackle. You've got to be able to tackle someone. It's a it's a contact sport. Um, he didn't. I don't. Know, I wouldn't say he pole drove him into the ground. It was definitely wasn't a sling tackle because he didn't do two motions. No, no definitely. Um, I think he's. I think he's stiff. But given it, it's Patrick Dangerfield and it's Geelong, uh, he should have got six weeks. <laughs> yeah, that... I, I was more disappointed in Geelong than I'd appeal it, to be honest. I reckon that was as weak as piss. I can't believe they didn't appeal it. I, I would have had a crack. Like, why not? Oh, I reckon it, it might have been hard to overturn because, as Frank Rover said, to the letter of the, the law, be it right or wrong, because it was concussion and they sort of weigh in the injury outcome far greater than the actual intent that they probably didn't have much chance of getting it overturned and then he would have missed against us I, I suppose all of us Richmond people would have hoped that he yeah. that he contested and that was the outcome but from the incident itself it, it, it really wasn't worth a week and like you said there was no sling there was no force it was just momentum um, and as a youngster when you're playing football even if you're coaching football you tell kids to pin the arm so they drop the ball and I think even the AFL have that written as the perfect tackle so on one hand they're saying to pin the arms is the perfect tackle and then on the other hand you're getting punished for doing it if they happen to hit their head on the ground despite not having the intent to hurt someone I, I haven't been able to find the vision but uh, Blake Hardwick for us got cleaned up I think it was Isaac Heaney uh, on a Friday night and he it was in the first quarter he didn't come back on the, on to, to the ground um, but that one wasn't even mentioned so you know, I, I say I'm, I'm not saying that Heaney did anything wrong but uh, Hardwick missed the missed three quarters of footy, um, and I believe it was a tackle. But as I say, I haven't seen the vision. But that to that not even being mentioned, um, I suppose with danger being on there. But uh, yeah, I was, you know, I just feel I feel sorry um, for football because you, you know you, if if it does happen on Brownlow night that he win, he, he wins the streets are filled by six or eight votes and someone else has to get up there, they won't get to enjoy the moment because all the talk will be about dangerous tackle and you know I just feel it takes a bit of what takes a bit of the edge off well I know in inverted commas the AFL aren't corrupt but uh, <laughs> don't be surprised if danger doesn't pull any votes from here on in for the rest of the year no matter where, how well he plays just so they don't so they avoid that scenario yeah yeah it's fair enough as well and the second topic we'll talk about is Tyrone Vickery. Um, so he obviously left us. Who? Who's that? Yeah, the the Box Hill <laughs> superstar Tyrone Vickery. He obviously left us out, to, to go play for you guys um, at the start of this year. Paying him is it? I've been reported as five hundred grand. Does that sound about right, Rankston? Is that is that what you've heard? Well, that's 
that's the numbers that were bandied around. So, yeah, too, look. Uh, too much? Oh, look, is 500K that much in footy nowadays? Like, they've just had a big pay rise. Um, I think, you know, to go to go back, you know, 18 months ago, when obviously they were looking at getting him to, to the club or to, you know, 12 months ago, um, Hale's um, retired and they, they were looking for a forward come Ruckman type. Um, he fits the bill. Um, I saw the reasoning behind it, and um, I was hoping, obviously, having seen him play at Richmond, I would hope that he would have improved coming to Hawthorne. But, look, 500 grand's not a lot of money in today's footy. Could we probably have put it somewhere else? Yeah, but then who, who do you get? But I think the fact that Sigler's been injured all season and he still can't get a game probably shows where he's at. Um, but I would assume that Ty's not happy with this season either. But, um, you know, what do you do? That's footy, isn't it? You know, as we said before about Burgoyne, you know, for all the trades that have gone well for us, like Gibson, Burgoyne and uh, Brian Lake and all those, uh, we were probably due for a bust. And uh, we're the last team to talk about poor trades, so we won't go into that topic too much. But um, I, I definitely saw the merit and the theory behind getting him, uh, like you said, with, with Big Hale hanging out the boots. But and, and I was actually one who did think that Clarko might be able to get a lot more out of him. A fresh start would have done him some good. But, I mean, I'm potentially with obviously that issue that come up with uh, his business and Jake King and all that kind of stuff maybe that might have maybe derailed his season a little bit depending on how long that was dragging on for um, but he's obviously kicking some goals in the VFL so hopefully he can, he can crack back into the side soon but maybe just not this week I reckon he's well, been the same to mark that imaginary footy that day honestly he has, he has not been the same since then has he remember when he got knocked out and yeah. had that concussion hasn't been because I, I always thought he's a pretty good player to I like it could have been, could have been a start, but he's, he's certainly a, a better player than he is now. I don't know what the hell has happened to him. It's just been – it was always his work rate. He always had the skill and the talent, but he just never looked like he wanted to work hard enough, whether it be defensively or offensively, whichever one. Yeah. Um, and that just seems like it's what's held him back. That's, that's probably been the biggest thing from a Hawthorne perspective is uh, – and it probably ties in with our season uh, – no Hawthorne supporter is going to crucify a bloke for having a crack. I mean, every club's got young fellas coming through. Every club's going to have injuries, and you, and you have these guys that have to step up. If if they're out there busting their ass, and you can see that they're having a go, no one's going to be upset if they if they fail or if they drop a mark or or, or miss a goal. Mm. But if they ha- give that air of um, being laid back, laconic, not trying, yeah. that's when supporters get like pissed off. Yeah, and that's absolutely. I think I think it's I think an unfortunate look that he has. I don't think he probably means you know he's no. as hard as anyone. It just looks that way. But it snowballs, I think, because he comes into the club. You know, everyone's been, like talking about oh he's on five hundred grand and he's he's a, this great white hope, yeah. blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden his form's not where it, where it wants to be, and and then it just snowballs. The pressure mounts, and then it gets more and more and more, and um, eventually maybe he's had a bit of a blow up. Uh, as you say, with some of his business dealings and everything else, maybe it's got a bit too much for him for this year. Hopefully, um, you know, once uh, this sort of stuff clears up, he can come out next year and have a good run at it. But, uh, you know, he's still leading the stats in imaginary marks. So um, that's going to be a win. The, the other thing I noticed with him in his games for you guys early on, and he he was actually presenting on leads quite well, but people weren't using him. Now, that could just be simply because they weren't used to his running patterns or weren't used to looking for him or they just simply didn't trust him. But um, 
yeah, I, I found it looked like he was getting frustrated on the field because he wasn't getting rewarded. And there was even a couple of times yep. when he was in acres of space, like completely by himself, to try and get his first goal for the club. And the ball just wasn't passed to him. So I'm not sure if it's just... Uh, getting to know the game style thing or not but yeah hopefully you can get back in and get I think some at the, I think at the start of the I think at the start of the year uh, as well and, and um, you know every club's been through down patches when when you got when you got a young list coming through or you have a few injuries um, the, the poorer sides and I've noticed it over the years like with Melbourne probably is a good example they look up and they say a one-on-one and they have no confidence of kicking to a one-on-one because they don't rate the bloke that they're kicking to even though they're a teammate Mm. Whereas, whereas with Hawthorne, if you look up and you see Sean Burgoyne, who's one out with whoever, um, you know that if you kick it to him, he's either going to take the mark or he'll bring it to ground and he can run away with it. You have that confidence to kick it to him. You know, I, I think when when Ty first started at the start of the year and things weren't going that great for us, um, a lot of people were probably playing it a bit safe and um, and rather than than taking a risk or or kicking it to someone. Um, that might have been in a little bit of a harder spot to get to. Um, they played it safe, and, and as you say, his confidence went downhill, and he wasn't kicking the bags of goals that, that he probably hoped he was going to be kicking. And uh, the pressure got got all too much for him. But hopefully, he can bounce back. And, and if not, he's still got his cats that will keep him company when he's not playing. <laughs> well, in his backpack. In his backpack, yeah, <laughs> with the he's windows just, on. He's it. laughing. <laughs> She'll bring the dollars in. She'll bring the cash in. Yeah. Right, well, 500k is not a lot of money when you're you know, a professional tennis uh, player. He probably just wants to travel around the world following her. I don't blame him, to be honest. Well, that's he's exactly right. Lucky beyond. Yeah. He's had his little footy career. He's happy. Well, um, we'll he, push he's, on. He's, Sorry, he's, he's, no, uh, he's no Sean Hampson, though. I think he's the winner. <laughs> oh, no, How well is he doing? Like that one. Right, <laughs> he must wake up every morning and just roll over and go, yes. The funny thing <laughs> is, he's been listed with a back injury. He's been listed with a back injury, and it's the jury's out as to how he's obtained this back injury. Oh, yeah, it must no, be said. Don't blame well, with a back injury. I'm telling you now, I'd have back hip calves, <laughs> I'd have back related hamstrings. They'd be carrying me out in the sack. <laughs> Well, we'll leave, we'll leave that one there before we get too carried away. We'll push on to the preview for this week's game. So, big Jared Ruffett's 250th game, and I think that's a massive milestone given the, the health scare he faced earlier on. So, hopefully, big Ruffy does have a good game, but not too good of a game. Um, it's a big match. I mean, Hawthorne are on the up. They're up and about, beating Sydney. There's still, you know, a really big chance to make the finals, and we still need to keep trying to hold on to fourth spot and getting another win and create some more separation between us and Port Adelaide. Uh, Frankson, what, what are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I've, I've, I've got that written down here. You know, top four spot for you blokes, top eight spot for us. So um, there's a lot of the line. I, I, I do seem to remember you blokes knocking us off a couple, uh, a couple of times in premiership years just before the finals. So um, maybe if we do win, it might be a good omen for you blokes. I don't know. But uh, we've had a big six weeks. Yeah, we've had a big six weeks. My my only concern is we've had a trip to Perth, and we've we've played you know the Giants, the Swans, um, Geelong. Um, can we keep it going? Uh, I, I did do a bit of reading on your board today, and uh, well, a couple of comments were that it's our grand final wheel, you know, and, and in some ways it is. Everyone loves beating Richmond, but uh, I hope we can keep it going. Um, it's just I suppose it's going to be midfield, isn't it? Really, uh, that's where it's won and lost and. Two pretty good midfields going at it uh, on Sunday. Uh, I just hope that uh, if we can get it out, 
And if depending on Rewalt, if Rewalt plays, uh, you know, I don't know how bad his eye injury is, but um, you know, if if he's playing, that's your tall option. But your smalls are pretty good down there as well, so we're going to have to try and slow it down and uh, stop you blokes getting getting quick entry into your forward fifty. The interesting player I find for you guys is um, Gunston. He's obviously a, an exceptional forward, but this year, probably once again due to injury, that you've been playing him a bit further up the ground and even down back at various stages. Where do you reckon he's going to line up? Um, we'll see. He, the first uh, probably six or eight rounds of the season, he, he, he was just having a shocker. He just couldn't get near it. Uh, couldn't, I don't think he kicked a goal for the first three or four games. So um, he just wasn't getting near it. So I think they that was probably more of a uh, let's try it and see what happens. So uh, he's been played more up the ground. I think depending on who plays for you guys, and uh, say if, if Rewalt gets up, um, he, he may uh, play that role down back again. Um, but um, I don't know. I don't think there'll be too many changes. I think I think he's probably playing more that Nick Rewalt role in, in some regards as well. So um, floating up to the wing and, uh, he got forward a couple of times against uh, the Swans and kicked a goal. So, um, you know, I still think he'll play up the ground. I don't think he'll be in that forward 50 for us. And Rodney, what do you reckon the Tigers have to do to get over the line this week? Um, well, I don't really subscribe to the theory that it's Hawthorne's grand final, only because of who they are and where they've come from. Oh, oh, to me, it's our biggest game of the season by a mile. Because, you know... Uh, you know, people are looking at oh, Hawthorne skating on thin ice and they do in every game, but their season's already been a massive success by any measure, I think. I mean, they're on a, a bit of a rebuild and you look at where they were, they were getting stumped by, seems like, the Suns and stuff like that. And as Frankie said before, they've beaten Adelaide, should have beaten Geelong, beat Sydney, true to, true to GWS. They're the most informed team in the comp. So to me, it's like a free hit for them this week because they're, they're going to be, it's going to be a success no matter what. To make finals, is just going to be a bonus if it happens, really. So very, very dangerous game. Um, to be honest, I'm not really expecting us to win. That, that's how good I think they're going. But um, I think it, what will be in our favour and what we do have to do is, what you said before, is lower the eyes going forward because... I was watching uh, one of the programs last night and they put a good graphic up where they've gone back to the cluster pretty much and they're, they're yeah. playing in that good zone around defenders and I just think with the small forward setup, that might play in our favour against Hawthorne. Yeah, that's right. I don't think that'll really work against a small forward line. That's more designed for your taller type forward line. So I'm hoping that we use our brains. And that's definitely the one thing I've noticed about Hawthorne's game the last you know, month month or so. They've really tightened up on that zone um, and teams are finding it incredibly hard to get through it. And if they force us to kick high and long down the line and if we don't have Jack um, or we don't have a, a tall resting down there, they're just going to pick us apart coming back the other way with their with their leg speed. So we definitely... Um, yeah, we go down that pathway gone. Yeah. Who, um, who, who benefits if it's raining? Because apparently there's some rain forecast for Sunday. Really, so. We're really, really, really good in the wet, believe it or not. Yeah, very yeah. good. That, I think it's going to be good to see because, you know, Hawthorne rely a fair bit on their foot skills. Um, so, you know, that that might undo us a bit in the wet. So um, it'll be interesting to see. 
I kind of I wrote this in the preview thread that I posted. But I kind of feel like that the Hawks' foot skills haven't been as good as it has been in previous years, which is probably largely due to people like Virtual not being in the team, who are one of your mm. more elite ball users. So the rain would make it a bit more interesting, um, and it, it would probably help us up forward, especially if we don't have a tall up there. So it'll just make the ball a bit more greasy. But um, uh, it's yeah, I don't know, it's going to be a really interesting one. Like I'm pretty com- comfortable with our decline and their ability to restrict teams from scoring, but I'm just not sure how we're going to go on the offense. Yeah, it could be a really low-scoring game, really. Oh, I've just got mm. that feeling about it that it could be that type of... Oh, you mentioned before, we get in... We, no, we, we, don't, we don't ever... We're never safe. doesn't matter how well we're playing. We could be thumping a team, but we're only ever four or five goals up. But by the same token, we're never far behind either unless we have a complete blowout like that secured a game, which was just yeah. ridiculous. So I've just got that feeling that it's going to be one of those games where it's... One, two, three goals either way, but you you're never out of it, but you're never safe for, for both teams. I'm just reckon it's going to be one of those types of games. I can't see it being high scoring, and yeah, it'll it'll be a it'll be a crack of a game. I reckon. I'll just put the fingers. I hope it's a good game. Yeah. And we've got a couple of key matchups here. So the first one I'll get your thoughts on Franks and Rover is Toby Nankervis versus Ben McAvoy. Um, well, look, uh, from a Hawthorne perspective, I, I think um, McAvoy's, well, say last week, played a phenomenal game. Uh, I'd really like to see him um, push forward because his, his ability to take uh, strong marks uh, and, and, and he's a good kick to uh, uh, Ben McAvoy. So uh, I'd be hoping that uh, that he gets forward when he can um, and, and maybe uh, he can be our sort of uh, uh, resting uh, ruckman down there not that he'll probably get a lot of relief in the ruck, but uh, drag Dan Kervis down there because, you know, I don't think there's many blokes that go with Ben in the air. He's a solid mark. So that's what I'd be doing if I was him. Uh, just got to watch him going the other, watching Dan Kervis go the other way. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of Toby Dan Kervis really. Um, I think he's in my super coach team though. So he seems to be scoring all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely think that McAvoy is a lot better going forward than Nankervis. He's, yeah, he's a real aerial threat, so we will have to keep a close eye on that one for sure. And Rodney, what about the matchup of, or potential matchup of Kane Lambert on Tom Mitchell? Well, potentially it's probably the most crucial matchup in the game for us because, you know, I mean, I, I love Tom Mitchell and uh, he's just, he's a very hard player to tag. I don't think you really can tag him out of the game, to be honest. But you can limit uh, the insults he has by, you know, his distribution really. And and Lambert is, is the right man for that job, and he's very, yeah, uh, he's a very good stopper, Kane Lambert. But this is a different type of a role. This is not your your role where you're running around with a guy, trying to limit his impact with run. It's it's inside in close, so. That's a crucial matchup. Uh, I think it, it's going to be more down to the support he gets around the ball and and how the ruck goes. We'll, we'll probably get beaten in the ruck, but um, if Mitchell gets first hands on, well, that's not not real flash for us. No, Mitchell's having a blinder every year. I was watching um, Hawthorne versus Geelong, and they tried to send blitz halves to him, and Mitchell just kept getting away from him. He just every stoppage, he was free, got first hands on the ball. I think he kicked. Kick the first goal for you guys as well, potentially. Um, Very clever. 
he's he's an awesome player, and yeah, I know people might be up in arms about meters gained, but like you said before, if you've got the ball, the other team haven't, and that's you know that's the best way to stop him from scoring. So I think Kane Lambert's got his work cut out for him this week. I also think with with guys like Lambert, if you're gonna if you're gonna go up against someone like Tom Mitchell, you can't just think about stopping Tom Mitchell. If he can if he can, I think he's averaging uh, Kane Lambert's averaging what twenty odd disposals a game. Mm. If he can if he can get a few uh, positions for you blokes going the other way and 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 even kick a couple of goals, um, that takes the pressure off of Lambert somewhat and puts some pressure back onto Tom Mitchell, not just to think that it's all one way. So yeah, exactly. You know, if, if, Mitchell, because he kicks goals himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to say, I, I think Lambert's got the got the skills there to um, to hurt him the other way if he can get his hands on the ball. It's almost like you have to try and deliberately feed him the ball to get him a goal to make Mitchell think about what he's doing with his game. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he just worries about game, Tom. Though, doesn't he? He's that good at it. Yeah. I don't cares about the tag. That's that's what makes a great player against a tag. You, guys like Rory Sloan and uh, Trent Cotchin goes through it as well. They get that engrossed in what the tag is doing to them that they lose the, the plot, whereas Mitchell just puts his head down, bum up, and just worries about what he's doing. He definitely does. And the last matchup, speaking of potential tagging roles, is Dustin Martin versus Daniel Howe. So, I mean, Howe did a, a great job against Rory Slane a few weeks ago for you guys, Frankston. Is this the likely matchup, do you think? Oh, look, I think, um, you know, my, I, I think that uh, in terms of uh, tagging role, Howe's probably been our best stopper for the year. My, my only concern with with uh, Daniel Howe playing on Dustin Martin as compared to a Rory Sloan, uh, as good as Rory Sloan is, um I think Dustin Martin's forward capabilities are better than Rory Sloan's. And if, if Daniel Howe's playing one out uh, with Dustin Martin down in the forward line, uh, I'll be shitting bricks because Dusty will tear him apart, I think. One-on-one, uh, on, one on one, I'm not sure he can go with, with Dustin Martin in, in that regard. But running around the ground, yeah, I think he can. But if they decide to chuck Dusty forward, um, they might have to m- make a move. Yeah, and I think it's probably a move that we are kind of going to be forced to make without, probably without Jack Rewalt, that Dusty will have to spend a bit more time down forward. And like you said, it'll be our goal to try and isolate him and Howe. And obviously you, you guys will try and get the switch um, and, and put a proper defender down there to mind him. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup because no doubt that Howe and probably Langford are going to try and wind him up a little bit, as we spoke about before, with him being on his last chance. So yeah, yeah. could be a bit of this fire. This guys. Oh. This way, we miss guys like Stratton because see, Strat- Stratton's one of those blokes can play on those sort of on Ocadusta Martin type. He's, he's quite versatile. Strats. Um, I just don't think that Howe's got the the strength. If you're you know say in a one out marking contest, I think um, I think Dusty's got the strength on him. But um, yeah, I'll be interested to see who they go with and where and where Dustin Martin goes because it's a bit, as you say, a bit like Tom Mitchell. Um, you want to see the good players play well. Um, and uh, I'd be certainly hoping that um, if if Dusty goes goes forward, uh, that they they put someone else on him. And if he's running through the centre, we'll go with Daniel Howe. Absolutely. And Rodney, what possible changes do you think we could have for our team this week? Um, well, I don't think Jack, I don't think Jack will be playing. I don't think he'll come back. So well, I can't really see too many changes. To the, to, to the team this week like if Rebolt doesn't come back I don't think Presti is going to be back so I, I 
can pretty much foresee no change, to be honest. The only one that may get looked at from a, adding a bit of hype perspective is Lennon, only because he obviously got the three goals. Uh, might be in a, in a little bit of form, but the jury is still well and truly out on his work rate. But yeah, I kind of agree that there's yeah, it's, it's hard to see what other changes we might make. I mean, Stengel obviously has put his hand up, kicking a few goals, um, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing him persist with Bolton for another game because he obviously has yeah. a bit of spark up for it as well. Yeah, just on Lennon, oh, honestly, I've seen Josh Caddy getting a little bit of crap earlier in the week, and Josh Caddy is the the per- best example as to why Ben Lennon doesn't get a game. Because Josh Caddy, he gets bagged because people look at the stat sheet, but he's always, he's the most selfless player in the team. He always the, the extra man of the contest, always the shepherd, the bump, taking the extra handball under pressure to get smashed when he's got the ball. He's, he's playing a role that he, he didn't come to the club to play. And that's what he does that Ben Lennon doesn't do. And yeah. that's why Ben Lennon... And I actually noticed those comments as well. And watching the game live at the ground, yeah, I saw a lot of the off-the-ball stuff that he was doing. And I thought, you know what? A lot of these posters haven't seen this kind of stuff that he's doing. He was getting smashed yeah. left, right and centre. And I thought he played a great game. Yeah, very, very selfless player. I don't think he's been great, really. So, and Frankson, what, what kind of changes could be installed for the Hawks? Obviously, Luke Hodge comes out due to the suspension. Who do you think is in line to come yeah. in for you guys? Oh, look, I think if – well, Hodgie's definitely in out. Um, as I say, Blake Hardwick uh, was concussed uh, last Friday. Um, young fella, so look, I don't know whether we'll risk him. Um, he may he may play, but um, – he also made me say, might even decide to give him a bit of a rest because he's he's been super for us. But I, I think um, it's a long season for the young girls. So um, I think um, I think Piopolo, uh, has is rumoured to be uh, coming back or on the on the recovery. So um, certainly uh, the word is that he's uh, uh, very close to playing. Um, I don't know about uh, for Hodge, though, whether we go with Taya Miles. He's in form, but as I say, kick five goals in the resis, but uh, does, that doesn't really sort of fill the, the, the Luke Hodge role. Uh, Gibson is close to coming back, but he might come back through Box Hill. And uh, maybe uh, Kurt Headley gets another shot. But, you know, uh, I can't see there being too many changes uh, in terms of people being dropped because, you know, we've had a good month. So, you know, why, why would you drop anyone? So we've been playing well. That's fair enough. And we'll finish off with a prediction from, from you both for the game. So, Rodney, I'll start with you. What's your prediction and margin for the game? Well, if I'm being realistic, I, I honestly think that the form team would should probably win, and I'm, which is probably shit to me because I reckon, you know, well, we are the form teams, so we're fourth, but there's no team in better form than Hawthorne, but I'll pick us by a point just because I break for Richmond. <laughs> you, you've got to pick them on your own podcast, for Christ's sake. No, we, yeah. we, we've had a bit of form with people uh, not picking us against Port Adelaide as well. So That's just poor. That's almost like leaving early. Come on, you blokes. <laughs> going for a slight point. No, no, heart, uh, no heart attack stuff, just one point. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about yourself, Frankson? What's your tip for the game? Oh, look, you've got to pick the Hawks, but uh, look, I, I think we're, I think we're a good show. I think I just hope it's a good game. Um, I hope um, people get along. Uh, it's always good when you've got two sides like two traditional sort of uh, Melbourne clubs get along, and you know if we can get sort of you know fifty, sixty, seventy thousand there and make it a really good day. And uh, look, I'll, I'll tip the Hawks by uh, eighteen points, and uh, I just hope that it's a good contest. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, an absolute cracker. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's, it'll, it'll be three goals in it, so I'll say Richmond by maybe 14 points, but it, it could really go either way. And if the rain does set in, it, it could just turn the game on its head altogether, which will make it very interesting. But uh, that'll wrap it up, I think, for the show, guys. So thanks for coming on again, Ronnie Dangerfield, and thank you very much for coming on Frankston Rover for from the Hawthorne board. No worries, boys. Thanks for having me. No yeah, worries. Thanks, All right, and until next time, go Tigers. Yeah, folks. <laughs>